Hey everybody, welcome to Urban. So glad you are here. Turn to your Bibles this morning if you would. Uh, we're going to read two different passages of Scripture. The first one's found in Romans chapter 5, and then the second one we're going to read is found in Acts chapter 16. And uh, as you saw on the screens, we're going to continue our series on hope, all right? And uh, how many of you guys been enjoying this series? For those of you that been enjoying it, been having a good time. And uh, so we're going to jump right into it with Romans chapter 5. Verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. How many of you guys like that part? Nobody, okay. Okay. Therefore, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, or it does not disappoint, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. I think we all like getting to a place of hope. Why? Because when we have hope, we often have joy. How many of you guys like having a joyful life? Some of you. Like how many of you guys hate joy, and you just want to be a big grump? Wow. One person. Let's stone her. No, just kidding. And uh, I think we all like getting to that place of hope where we have joy. Why? Because when we, have, when we have joy, man, life is fulfilling. But in this scripture, you see this, that before there's hope, it says we rejoice in our sufferings. That's the part we don't like to do, okay? But you know what? We all go through stuff. And here's what I've discovered. It's not so much about what we go through as much as it is as we handle what we go through. And if we can learn to handle that and we can learn to push through it and not give up, that hope is on the other side and hope does not disappoint because God's love is there. And as hope and God's love collide, man, dreams are materialized. Turn to Acts chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 20. And just to set this passage up, Paul and Silas, Paul is going around preaching the gospel, sharing the word uh, with people. And uh, here in this city that he's in right now, as he's going about doing this, there's this person that keeps just getting on him and following them and, and making a nuisance out of herself. And finally, Paul turns around and rebukes her and actually casts the devil out of her. Okay? Well, some people get upset now because this girl was used to make a lot of money for the owners. And so now the people are upset because, wait a second, you took away all hope for gain. And now they're mad at Paul and Silas. And so what do they do? They get people to come against Paul and Silas, and now Paul and Silas found them, find themselves captive, um, not even due to anything they really did, but wrongfully accused. Verse 20 of Acts chapter 16, and when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews, and they are disturbing the city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, And the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. 
And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are all here. The jailer called for the lights and rushed in and trembling with fear and fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. God, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that God, you'd speak to each and every one of us. Lord, I pray for that one that's here today that, Lord, finds themselves in, in maybe a hopeless position, that, that today, God, hope would rise up in their life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Uh, there were two boys living in this city, and uh, they were always getting into trouble. Okay, and now some of you are like, that sounds like my kids. Wait a second. Okay, I'm not talking about your kids, all right? But there's two kids, and they're always getting in trouble, and, and the parents got so fed up with it, they thought, man, what are we going to do? And so they, they, they finally said, let's take them to the pastor and have the pastor talk to them. And so the mom, you know, uh, shuttles their two boys over to the church, and they're waiting out in the office, and, and the, the first one gets summoned in, and the boy walks in, and he's, he's pretty terrified, you know, he's only 12 years old, and, and he sits down, and he's kind of shaking, and he looks at the pastor, and the pastor looks at him and says, where's God? The boy just kind of, pastor looks at him and goes, where's God? The boy's sitting back in his seat now. Finally, the pastor goes, where is God? The boy's just trembling, and finally, the pastor, like we all do, right? All pastors are the same. Finally, the pastor pounds the desk and said, where is God? And with that, the boy shot up and ran out, ran through the secretary's office. His brother watches him run by, and he kind of freaks out, follows his brother home, and looking all over for him, finally finds him in the closet, opens the closet, and goes, what's wrong? And the boy's terrified, and he says, God's missing, and they think we did it. <laughs> God is missing, and they think we did it. Have you ever found yourself in situations, here you are and maybe you're sitting here today and you would call yourself a Christian, you would call yourself a Christ follower and you're sitting here today and you found yourself in a time and a season asking this question, where's God? God, where are you? I mean, I'm reading my Bible, I'm doing everything I know to do that's right, I'm working a job and and I'm doing my best to provide, but yet the finances, and God, where are you? Or or maybe it's a health situation, or or maybe it's just pure depression and you're just kind of there and you go, now where is God? Has anybody ever found themselves there before? I know I have as a pastor. Even in the last 18 months of starting this church, I've often found myself saying, God, I know we just came home from church and... And I know we just worshiped and we ripped, but God, where are you? Where are you? And it's in those moments that we've got to realize something that, that God never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's why it's so essential that we get into the Bible and we begin to read what the scriptures say and, and we begin to, to come together even on a Sunday. If this is your church and you're here or maybe it's not and you're checking it out, but whatever church you go to and that you come and that you study the scriptures because in there we see how awesome God is. And when we see how awesome God is, then we can begin to remind ourselves, wait a second, if he did it back then, he can do it today as well. Are you with me this morning? Hope 
does not disappoint. Why? Because the love of God is being shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Today I want to talk to you real quickly about the power of praise in the middle of hopelessness. The power of praise in the middle of hopelessness. Over the last couple of weeks, uh, we've been talking about hope and what is hope. It's the feeling that what is wanted can be had or that events will turn out for the best. Hope. Hope. The feeling that what is wanted can be had or that events will turn out for the best. Maybe it's not even something you want, but maybe it's just a situation in your life that you need to have turned around. And there's hope that says, you know what, I believe it's going to turn around. And so we began to talk about that, and we, we looked at First Kings, and, and, and we discovered out of First Kings that when you get God into the equation, man, things begin to turn around. That without God, it's a pretty impossible situation, but with God, man, things begin to turn around. Last week, we, we talked about the anchor of hope, the cross of Jesus Christ, the anchor of our hope. Why? Because at the cross, there I remember that God loves me. There I remember that he's in control, and there I can remember that he can take this situation and turn it around for my eternal good hope. Today I want to talk to you about the power of praise in the middle of a hopeless situation. Acts chapter 16, uh, here we see Paul and Silas. Now if you go back sometime, whether it be today or this week, and just read the whole story in its entirety, what you're going to discover is that Paul and Silas are actually doing the will of God. They're actually going and traveling and sharing the good news of Jesus with other people, okay? And as Christians, this is what we are to do. This is what we ought to do, whether it be on our job place, in our, in our neighborhood, with coworkers, or if you're in school, fellow students, that, that we share Jesus with other people. This is what Paul and Silas are doing as they travel from city to city, and they find themselves here now as they're doing this in prison, okay? They're accused of disturbing or disrupting the city, but it's not the case at all. All they did was set a young girl free from some demonic spirits. And because of that now, the city rises up against them and is like, hold on a second. Paul and Silas now find themselves, now look how bad this situation is. They are not just in prison, but the Bible says they are in the inner prison. Okay? Now, just so we can be all on the same page, prisons were not that elaborate back in the day. Okay? It wasn't like they had, you know, like they have today prison and then they have solitary confinement. And they put, the, the, the prison was there, but the inner prison, as you studied out, what you discover is that it was actually the sewer system that ran below the prison. That bad day just got worse. Are you with me? Okay. The prison was bad enough, but now they're literally in the inner prison. What is the inner prison? It's literally the sewer system where everything is running by. Now, now let me just paint the picture for you a little more. It's not like they had a nice flat level, you know, surface and the sewer was running by them. They were actually in it. You're on the same page with me, okay? But not only that, the Bible says now that they were fastened their feet with stocks. They're not just in the prison, they're in the inner prison. They're not just in the inner prison, but they are now shackled and chained in the inner prison. Bad situation. Are, are you on the same page with me? Can you picture this? Can you picture the things that are floating by? You, okay, 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 you're starting to get on the same, the same page with me. And it's not like they can dodge it, right, and like let things float around them. They're shackled, you know? I'm just hoping that it's going this way and Silas is right there and I'm Paul, you know? And I'm like nudging Silas to like get in front of that one, right? Okay, all right, you know? Okay, we're all on the same page now, okay? 
It smells bad. It looks bad. It is bad. The only thing you don't want to do is fall asleep. Are you with me? Okay. So now they're getting tired, but they can't sleep. Here they are. This is a bad situation. This is a hopeless situation. This is like hopelessness at its best. Prison, inner prison, shackled, chained. Where's God? Where's God? God, we were here in the city doing what you told us to do. God, I'm here doing the best that I can. I'm doing, you know, according to what I hear you telling me, according to the word, and I'm doing the best that I can, God, but yet I find myself in a hopeless situation. Count it all joy in the middle of suffering. Isn't that what it said in Romans chapter 5? I count it all joy. That is the moment, ladies and gentlemen, because here's the reality of life. You will probably never find yourself in the inner prison like they did, the sewer. You will probably never find yourself shackled and chained, but how does this story relate to me today? How does this story convey to my circumstance or my situation? I don't know. God does, but, but maybe just begin to think about where you're at today. What situations do you find yourself in, whether it be financial, whether it be relational? There are people sitting around you right now that you don't even know what's going on in their life. I know some of your stories because you've shared it with me. And man, as I look at it, I'll be honest with you, I'm looking at it like that is hopeless. That is not the best of situations. But with God, all things are possible. Are you with me? And so what do I do when I find myself in that hopeless situation? Maybe it's, maybe it's a dream that you've had and, and something you've wanted to do. Maybe it's a business you've wanted to start. Or, or maybe something just came out of left field and, and you didn't know where that, what, what, what you're going to do with that. I mean, simple things can even get in the way. Simple things. This last week... We're getting ready to print stuff for the weekend, and our printer dies, okay? Now, to most of you, that doesn't sound like a hopeless situation. Go buy a new one, okay? When you're a church planner, (laughs) and you're looking at the finances, you're like, wow, I guess we're not eating this week, you know? (laughs) Just kidding. We ate, as you can tell. Don't say anything, okay? But we look at it, and we're like, oh, man, what are we going to do? And so we had to look at the budget. Okay, can we get in? And then we bargain shop. Man, we found like a $400 printer for 180 bucks. My wife is the master. It's awesome. It was the last one. It was the display model. And she took it over, and she goes, can you knock off about 40 more bucks? <laughs> look, there's a scratch on it. <laughs> no? Don't tell me you've never done that before. Come on. Oh, it's the last one? There's a little rip right there in the jeans, you know? She didn't really do that. I would have, but I wasn't there, <laughs> to be honest. You know, look at damaged, you know. Here's, here's something I've learned about hopeless situations, though. There are truly hopeless situations, such as like Paul and Silas. This is outside of their control. Where is God in this thing? I have no control over this situation. I can't get the stocks off. I can't get out of the inner prison. I can't even get out of the prison. Not only that, I'm not here because I wanted to be here. I'm not even here because I made bad decisions. Have you ever found yourself there before? But there are other times when you find yourself in a hopeless situation where it was because of your choices. Oh, here he goes. It's going to get in our face again, okay? 
But not even those. Let me just say this. Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, we have a way of, of making a situation that is perfectly fine hopeless. It's true. I mean, I literally found myself making this printer situation hopeless. I did. Because I, 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 we've been putting aside money because we want to buy a piano. How many of you guys think it would be cool to have a piano every, every weekend? How many of you guys think it would be cool if I was the one playing it? Why are you laughing? Okay. So we've been putting money aside for a piano, and now we had to pull that money and buy a printer, and then I found myself just like, oh, psh, we're never going to have a piano. It's never going to happen. Matter of fact, God, maybe you don't want us to have a piano. I mean, if, if you want us to have a piano, the printer wouldn't have broke. I mean, heal the printer, God. I mean, come on, if you can heal a body, surely you can heal a printer, right? Touch it right now in Jesus' name. Work. Didn't work. And I found myself building this whole, you know, this whole thing that, man, we're never going to have a piano. Because there was one on sale this weekend. It's normally $5.99. It's on sale for $3.24. Oh, yeah, we're bargain shoppers. Okay? We were going to go get it yesterday, and then we couldn't. We have a way of, of literally taking situations and just building this. Ah! It's this massive problem. Really, it's not that big of a deal. Am I talking to anybody? Or is that just, is that, you know? I mean, I, okay, maybe I'm just talking to myself. I have a way of doing that, okay? Let me just point the finger here. I have a way of doing that. But you know what? There's power in praise. There's power in praise. And as we look at this today, it says they were singing hymns. Now here's the thing we need to understand, that it's not just that there's power in singing, although singing can turn a situation around, right? I mean, how can you ever worry about anything when, when, when Bob Marley comes on? <laughs> singing, no worry. See, yeah. Because every little thing yeah see I mean right there you're just kind of like oh I feel so much better let's just let's just pray and call it a day right now Jesus loves me singing over you know you know you're going to be thinking about that all day now something's going to happen you know and you're just going to be like singing over I'm telling you there's just something about about singing that all of a sudden it just it just changes the atmosphere my daughter's a singer I'm a singer and a whistler Maybe a little bit, you know, too, too far back. But my daughter, man, there's something about singing. It just, how many of you guys have ever seen a musical before? I mean, I mean, they can be like in the middle of a fight scene and all of a sudden they start singing and it's like, oh, smack him. That is, oh, yeah. You know, there's just something about, there's something about singing. And, 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 and so my daughter, man, she sings all the time. It just changes, it changes the atmosphere. And here they are. And, but here's the thing you got to understand. It can't just be singing. Okay. Because although Bob Marley can change, you know, oh. <laughs> thank God for Bob Marley, right? <laughs> although it can't just be singing. When I first read this, I'm like, wait a second, you guys, you, there, there's floaties going by. It stinks. It's a bad situation. This is horrible. Don't fall asleep. And you're singing. Maybe they were singing to keep themselves awake. I don't know. But they're singing. And it can't just be singing, though, because although singing can change the atmosphere, they're praying and they're singing. If it was just singing, I could sing my prayers to God, right? I mean, come on, how many of you guys have ever prayed those desperate prayers? God, please come through right now. 
God, I need you to provide this money. Lord, I need this pay raise. God, I need this. You know, and God, while you're at it, could you really change my boss's heart because he's kind of a jerk? Let him see how amazing I really am. I mean, if it was just singing, it'd be like, God, please see my circumstance. My boss is a jerk. Or if you like the rap. Boom. Boom. My boss is a jerk. Yeah. My, you know, whatever, okay? You know, country. I'm sorry. That was great country right there, wasn't it? You know, and you just sing your prayer according to your style. It can't just be singing. It can't just be me singing about my circumstance. So what was taking place is, as Paul and Silas were praying, but not only praying, they were singing hymns. They were, they were doing something at that moment. If you look at this, 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 this phrase, singing hymns, it's actually in the Greek, the word is hymneo. Oh, you actually do study throughout the week, yeah. Got this little computer program. It's awesome, and, it's, and it just pulls up all this stuff. Hymneo, it means to sing Hymns, but it's not just any hymns. It literally means to sing the Hallel Psalms. Oh, he's getting deep today. Hallel. <laughs> it's like holler, but anyway. <laughs> he's singing the Hallel Psalms. What were the Hallel Psalms? If you look in your, in your Bible, the Hallel Psalms are Psalms 113 through 118. And these were not just any psalms. These were declarative psalms or psalms of declaration where when the children of Israel would come together and they would begin to celebrate, these are the psalms they begin to sing and they begin to declare how great and how awesome God is. These are the psalms where they begin to remind themselves, wow, God, remember when you did this? Wow, God, remember when you did that? Wow, God, remember when you came through here and you came through there? God, remember when you delivered us from this circumstance and that situation? These were the psalms that they began to sing. These were the Hallel psalms. What is happening right here as Paul and Silas find themselves in the middle of a hopeless situation, they are not only praying, God, please help. God, we need you to get us out of this. God, we were doing nothing wrong. But they are literally beginning to declare who God is. And as they begin to declare who God is, they begin to remember that if God can do it then, maybe he can do it now. Maybe he can do it now. The power of praise. Here is Paul and Silas. They're praying. Okay, let's go from praying now. God, let, let's begin to, oh, you remember that one, that one psalm, Silas? Yeah. Singing, no worry. Oh, that's not it. Wait, no. And they begin to declare in the middle of their stuff, in the middle of their situation, in the middle of their circumstance, in the middle of what seems hopeless, they begin to remind themselves with the Hallel Psalms, who God is. Who God is. Who God is. What happens when we begin to hallel in the middle of our hopelessness? What happens when we begin to praise God? Not for, God, please help get me out of here. But when we begin to declare, God, you delivered them. God, you did this. God, you did that. All of a sudden now, our eyes get off of our circumstance. Our eyes get off our situation. And our eyes get on God. 
And when you get your eyes off your situation and you get your eyes on God, all of a sudden a hopeless situation begins to turn around, begins to change, and you begin to see a way out. Prayer, that's the way I like to look at it. Prayer brings my request to God. Praise brings God to my request. Praise brings God to my request. At the point of devastation, in the, in, in the inner prison, they find themselves. And at that moment, the pain of their circumstance produces the power of praise to begin to get their eyes off the problem and their eyes on God. Let me give you three things, and we'll close here. The power of praise, number one, it takes my mind off my problem and puts it on God. It takes my mind off my problem. What's your problem today? Well, what is it you're facing? Is it, is it, is it financial? Is it relational? Is it a dream? Is it a ministry? Is it, is it, is it, is it some, some bitterness, some unforgiveness, some unrest? Or maybe it's you've taken a situation and you've made it hopeless. What is it? When you begin to hallel, when you begin to praise, you get your eyes off your circumstance, your eyes on God. Number two, when you begin to praise, it brings the tangible presence of God. Psalm 22, 3, and he's enthroned in the praises of his people. He's enthroned. That word enthroned means to dwell, remain, to marry. He's enthroned. When you begin to praise, you are literally building a throne for him to come and inhabit. So right there, in the middle of their situation, in the middle of their circumstance, they're praying, they're in the shackles, they're in the inner prison, and they begin to pray, and then they begin to worship. And as they begin to worship, they set up a seat right there in the middle of their situation, and God comes in, sits right there. And as we read on in the story, what happens? The shackles are broken, the doors are open. Not only their doors are open, but if you read the story in its entirety, everybody's doors are open, and now everybody is able to go free. Why is that? Because just like your anxiety will bring people down, your hope will bring people up. Has anybody ever hung out with someone that's just a, a, a depressing person to be around? I'm not one of those. I'm a bubbly person. I like to energize you. But you ever get around those people and you just you feel the energy getting sucked out of you? Like everything, you know, the world is coming to an end. You just, y'all know what I'm talking. You don't want to raise your hand because you're probably sitting next to them right now. You're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and if you would just look over, they're probably pointing at you as well, right? No, you are, you know. Don't need me to cause any marital problems today. <laughs> But the same thing happens when you can have hope in the middle of a situation that's hopeless. That's why the Bible says to be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies inside of you. Because all of a sudden people will look and say, wait a second, you're sitting in the same sewer? You got the same shackles on? You got, how can you can sit there and you can sing and you can praise? Because when I begin to declare, I make myself attractive. Praying and they're singing. Lastly, Number three, when I begin to hallel, when I begin to praise, it breaks the hopeless situation that has me bound. It breaks the hopeless situation that has me bound. 
Paul and Silas in a hopeless situation. They didn't just pray. They hallelujah. They began to declare how good God is. They began to declare how awesome. What, what do you need to declare God in today? What situation do you find yourself in? What, what circumstance do you find yourself in? As Paul and Silas begin to declare something to begin to happen, the Bible says the earth began to shake. And as the earth began to shake, their doors began to rattle. And as the doors began to rattle, they began to swing open. But not only that, the very things that had them shackled begin to, to break off. I believe it happens something like this, that the Bible says that the, the heavens are his throne and the earth is his footstool. And so God was sitting up in heaven and all of a sudden some praise started to come from earth, which is his footstool. And as the praise got up there, all of a sudden God began to kind of just tap his foot a little bit because he began to hear something that, that began to excite him. And as he began to stomp his foot to the beat and he began to hear that music that the earth began to shake and all of a sudden their circumstance began to turn around. What circumstance do you have today that you need God to turn around? I believe that today he will meet you as you begin to get your eyes off your circumstance and your eyes on him. Where do you need him at today? Let's begin to praise together. Let's begin to hallel. Let's begin to declare not our circumstance, but let's begin to declare our God is well able to overcome this circumstance and this situation. God, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Hallelujah. Close your eyes for one moment as we conclude today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You say, Ben, you seem a little more excited than you did the last couple weeks. I was preaching to 80 radical young people last night at another church, and I think they got me a little excited. But not only that, as I was praying this morning, I began to see some of your circumstances and see some of your situations, and I began to get excited knowing that if you could learn this principle, that if you could learn the power of praise, that if you could learn the power to declare who God is. Things will begin to turn around in your life. Things will begin to turn around in your life. Some of you here today, you need to begin to change your circumstance and your situation. You need to stop looking at all the negatives and you need to start looking at the positives. Just start there. Maybe looking to God today is too far of a stretch for you, although that's where the conclusion needs to happen. Maybe you're here today and maybe you can just get, stop, stop looking and thinking about your past. Stop looking and thinking about what was and start thinking about who is so that he can take you to what will be. Just needs to, something you just need to put on Bob Marley. And you'll be fine. Just, just a little thing. Some of you, though, you are literally in that inner prison. And you need God to show up. You need God to start to tap his foot to your song. Break the shackles and chains. Get you to that place that he wants you to be. Right now is a day of turnaround for you. Right now, today, this moment is a time for God to turn your circumstance and your situation around you.